It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Upfront program for this Friday morning. I'm Roger Bouchard. I'm here on a Monday through Friday basis. And uh, what we do is um, we do uh, a radio talk show. And people participate in it. We have some guests in the studio. We have some guests via the telephone. We have some co-hosts that um, share the microphone with me. And on Fridays, um, we get a chance to talk to Bob Martin, the real estate guy. And um, John Breen will be here with his paid segment. And then we have members of the uh, Woonsocket School Department on an update on what's going on in public schools. Bob Martin, are you on our live line right now and can hear me? I am, Roger. I just wanted to to note that in the Woonsocket Call survey, um, the Reader's Choice survey, uh, that the Upfront program was voted the number one uh, program in the area. And the host, uh, me, as a favorite radio personality, and I just just wanted to know whether you have an appreciation of uh, what quality program you're on and the quality of the interviewer that speaks with you every week. Do you have an appreciation for that, sir? I absolutely do, Roger, and, and, and I will take also credit as being the number one real estate office and maybe boosting your program. Oh, yes, uh, I see. <laughs> right. Hmm. Yeah, that's not the way I expected it to go, but anyway, um, uh, thank you very much for acknowledging that. I appreciate it. Well, anyway, what we do with uh, Mr. Martin is uh, ask him the real estate question of the uh, of the day, sent in by a listener, and then we uh, I have another question for him uh, that I'd like him to address. All right, so uh, we're going to get to our listener question first. Uh, so uh, the way it reads here, Mr. Martin, uh, we have been looking for a house and have found one. Um, but it has a, um, let's see, is this the, um, did I get the right question here? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, it has a cesspool. Someone told me that I cannot buy a house with a cesspool. Is that true? Is that true, Mr. Martin? Uh, no, you can, in fact, buy a home. Uh, and I'll differentiate between Woonsocket and, and uh, between Bird Island and Mass. Uh, in Mass, if the cesspool is functioning, uh, properly, you can purchase a home and life goes on until the cesspool, let's say, were to fail. However, in Rhode Island, um, going back a few years, I, time flies, so I want to say maybe five years now, um, you can successfully purchase a home with a cesspool. However, um, if in, uh, upon the transfer, state law says that the cesspool has to be replaced within a 12-month period with a septic or a tie-in to the sewers if it's available, with some exceptions. So if there is <clears throat> there is sewers uh, coming and it's on the comprehensive plan, if you will, with the town and they'll be there in a year, then there are two that won't force you to change. But the way the state law reads right now is you, if you purchase a home with a cesspool, uh, the law does say that you um, are to replace that with a septic. Now, that being said, um, I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but I, I think it, if the festival is, is functioning, uh, I have yet to hear, you know, the DEM come down on someone and say, oh, it's, it's been 366 days and you need to move forward. Not to say that they don't have the right to, to do that. Um, what is happening, however, is the lenders 
have uh, are, are now aware of the, these laws. They've been aware for a while. So if, if for instance, I'm looking to purchase home with a cesspool, they're going to look at my financial um, status and say, how do you pre- how do you intend to replace your cesspool within one year? Because your property could be cited. So it does affect the mortgageability of uh, borrowers at this point if they're buying FHA, VA, and they don't have sufficient reserves. Some lenders I have picked up on that and said, well, I, I'm not sure we want to make the mortgage with the cesspool only because in a year from now, uh, you by law should be replacing it and we don't have any idea and neither do you where you're going to come up with the money. Now, there are programs out there um, called the 203K uh, and we've had people do that. Um, that's when you're buying a home that, let's say, has some uh, construction issues and whatnot. A septic system can be included in that. So you're basically borrowing the money at the time of purchase set aside uh, as part of the mortgage held in escrow until um, you, you put the septic in. Now, you've got to jump some, through some hoops and stuff, and I well, time, time limits us into what's going on. But uh, that's the route that most people have gone to if they're buying a cesspool. They go with a program that does have an escrow. They get a price for it up front, and they anticipate in replacing it. On a rare occasion, someone has a cesspool in their sewers in the street. That happens very rarely because if the sewers are there, most of the time they've connected. But the bottom line, and, and DM is correct, is in time, a cesspool will fail. So, um, but they, they passed this a few years ago, um, you know, as, a, as their plan uh, that they, they really would like to get rid of all cesspools in, in the state of Rhode Island, which, you know, environmentally is, is perfectly okay. Each Malayan son of... Um, and I, I think you can work with them, but uh, he's not incorrect. Uh, you got to be beware if you're buying a home with a cesspool. All right, and um, our uh, news question of the week. Thank you, Bob, for uh, that uh, thorough answer. Our news question of the week uh, comes from... Um, Channel 6, it says here, out-of-state homebuyers are flocking to Rhode Island amid the pandemic. And um, I was reading a little bit further. It says that the exodus is from uh, New York State to Rhode Island. And the final paragraph in this news story, Bob says, the Rhode Island Association of Realtors just put out a report for the second quarter of 2020 where about 400 people, 400 buyers from Massachusetts and Rhode Island, came to Rhode Island. My question to you is, is there, from your experience here in northern Rhode Island especially, is, is there anything to this, or is this uh, maybe something to do with uh, Westerly and Newport? Well, I think, I think it has to do more with, with Westerly and Newport, um, particularly when you mentioned they're flocking from Connecticut and New York. Um, you know, Westerly is often, you know, referred to as, you know, New York removed or however they want to say it. Um, we in, in, in Northern, and I can imagine it's happening, but have we seen an influx in Northern Rhode Island uh, of people saying, gee, I need to get away from an urban area and uh, move to North Smithfield or Winsocket or Lincoln? Um, not to say that there aren't any, but no, we have not seen an uptick if people that are buying in Rhode Island from let's say Massachusetts which um, it's not you know necessarily part of that article it's more Connecticut and, and, and New York um, if they're buying in Rhode Island it's because home prices are less um, I've also you know have an office in Gloucester um, which uh, borders eastern Connecticut 
um, someone moving from that area into Rhode Island, um, most of the the area in eastern Connecticut that we border in Rhode Island is as rural as Boroughville and Gloucester and whatnot. I've had several agents actually move to Connecticut three, four, five miles over the line because, you know, prices there were less than Rhode Island even. And it's as rural and it's nice country and whatnot. And it's, you know, if you've traveled out in those areas, it's, it's just beautiful country and palm fruit and whatnot. So um, have we experienced... Uh, a lot of calls or an abnormal number of calls for people looking to relocate to Rhode Island from, let's say, Massachusetts, relocating to Northern Rhode Island. I have not, but I'm, I'm familiar with, you know, and I, I do believe that it's, it's not hurting our economy. Um, I do know I have a daughter that lives in, in Vermont. Um, she is, we have spoken several times about Vermont uh, and probably New Hampshire, where they have a surge, particularly in more expensive homes. And in the articles up there were more that uh, what maybe normally might have been a second home for someone. Now they're one fleeing, let's say, the city or the urban areas. But they're also finding that with what COVID has done is, you know, we're talking about people being able to stay home and um, and do their job from there. So these people are purchasing homes in, in outlying areas, if you will, knowing that they don't have to commute back to their building, if you will, where they're working daily, and they may have to go in once a week. So what they're saying, now's a good time for us to, to buy and escape and, and also be able to maintain you know, my employment and not have to, to commute every day. So, yeah, it's not hurting us. Um, I think the article... Um, and, and I'm, I'm sure um, is in, in talking to fellow realtors. It, it's, a, it's affecting the Rhode Island in the areas more that border Connecticut and, uh, and and New York, I think, than us having people from mass migrating south. Um, I don't see a big flux of people from Boston or, or Worcester even coming into Rhode Island um, to get away from stuff. But I, I think the urbanization is not quite the same as the people in Connecticut and New York are looking to get away from. So it's not hurting, but um, and I believe the article, um, but um, I, I, we're not seeing a big surge for that in Northern Ireland. But it generally uh, does spike up prices in the region, though, a little oh, bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yes, Thank it does. Yep. Thank you, Bob, for uh, joining us today and offering us your expertise on real estate. Okay, Rob. Good Have day. a good week. Bye-bye. Bob Martin is with Crossroads Real Estate Group, and they're on Park Avenue here in Woonsocket, and he's an easy guy to reach. Now, um, uh, let me see. If you'd like to reach him, incidentally, I say he's an easy guy to reach, and I'll give you his phone number, 766-7545, extension 111 for Bob Martin. All right, we'll uh, chat with um, John Brien in just a few moments. There's a church nearby where members are kind and friendly. May we invite you to attend services at the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Services are now available on Facebook or Skype on the Internet. Call 658-2748 for information on seeing us online. It's a church where you can hear the gospel, believe in Christ, repent, confess, and be baptized. Join us this week for our prayer and Bible study, Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Sunday services at 1 p.m. Our sermons are understandable to grow you in faith and available online. Again, we are the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting you on your journey of salvation, with services now available on Facebook and Skype. Services conducted by Pastor Marcus Warren.
Inside dining, outside dining, or your favorite pickup order to go from Grumpy's Restaurant, Bellingham. Open seven days a week with a great luncheon menu and a full menu from burgers to steaks to seafood to our Italian dishes and our tasty pizzas. One of the best menus in the area. Hungry tonight or today? Come on in today and enjoy the friendly service, reasonable prices, and great food at Grumpy's. Call ahead for pickup order or place a reservation to dine in at 508-883-0101. Grumpy's, 190 Pulaski Boulevard, Bellingham, Massachusetts. Grubhub delivery also available. Well, today on uh, Friday at uh, Grumpy's, that means that we're open uh, noontime, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for your convenience. Uh, our weekday hours are Monday through Thursday. We open at, at uh, 3.30 in the afternoon. We are Grumpy's, and we'd love to serve you some fish and chips or fried clams today or whatever you'd like to have. Grumpy's of Bellingham. Well, he's sitting in the studio, so we're going to get back to our uh, next segment of the Upfront program. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Panel has uh, reconvened on the uh, following time has been purchased by the Brian for Mayor Committee. And John Brian joins us uh, each Friday at this time. And we chat with him about um, his candidacy for mayor. And let's make sure his microphone is on. It is. Hi, John Brian. How are you doing? Hi, Roger. Good morning. And good morning to the listeners. And thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, before we uh, get to um, maybe some things you wanted to talk about, I wanted to talk about uh, the news. And the news, um, there was a story in the Woonsocket Call earlier in the week. And then... There was another story in the Valley Breeze um, that came out yesterday by Lauren Clem, and it has to do with this debate uh, issue. And as a radio station guy, uh, all we're trying to do is is find a location where we can reach the most number of people. And so we think cable television and radio simultaneously will do that. And so that's uh, where, where I'm at on this. However, you're the candidate. And you may have a different perspective on this whole debate location. I mean, you don't have any trouble with a debate, right? No. Uh, and, and I think I'm not going to spend too much time on this topic. But uh, as I would usually do, I do have both articles with me. And I even have highlighted portions of these articles, Roger, because um, I just find it to be very interesting. Look, here's the reality. I am going to be at Harris Hall on October 21 ready for a debate and i'm more than happy i am in no way shape or form afraid to be one-on-one on television and ready to go i mean that's what you do in a campaign right you 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 debate uh amongst the candidates and you talk about yourself and you talk about you know, your platform and your vision and and why you're qualified so it, it's it's not so much and, and my intent is not to uh attack or to be um, negative, but more to just say, this is who I am and present myself in the way that I have throughout this campaign. And that is to say, I am running for mayor and I'm not running against anyone in particular. And I think that's just, you know, that's an idea that has really caught on uh, during the course of this campaign and throughout the summer and, and here in the early fall. But I just find it interesting. So I have an article here from October 1, Russ Olivo on the One Soccer Call. Uh, and the current mayor states that certainly it's not something that belongs at Harris Hall, citing concerns about COVID-19 and social distancing. The health and safety of employees comes first. 
But further on in the article, it states that, well, we can do it at the Woonsocket Public Library or the middle school. So I'm, cons- I'm confused about that because my first question would be, are the employees of the Harris Public Library or the Woonsocket Middle School secondary? Do, do, does the safety of those employees, is that not as important? Um, as City Hall, I mean, you know, I know it's a ridiculous argument because we're saying now that five people can go into City Hall, four of which have already been into City Hall. The only new person to be screened would be Jeff Gumar. So, I mean, that's just a, a nonsense argument. But I'm just saying that the, the, the people at the library or at the middle school would be no less important, those employees. But then I see yesterday in the breeze that article you made reference to and the current mayor is proposing... To have it a chance as years pa- in, as in years past, or another city restaurant to allow members of the public to attend the debate. Uh, maybe this is a quote. Maybe we can't get everybody, but we can certainly get more than being in a room with two people. So my question is why? One moment it's about the safety and social distancing, and the next minute it's about being in a public place uh, with other people. Um, and I, you know, I, I won't make any assumptions as to what the motivation uh, is there for that level of um, that 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 kind of contradiction. But I think you know the public is smart enough to understand what's going on there. One on one, Harris Hall live TV. I'm good with that. I'll be there. I'll be ready to go October 21. Okay. All right. And. Um we're going to move on to the rest of the campaign, and um, I, I think you have some activities coming up uh, that uh, maybe you yeah yeah want to talk so yeah about. so so there's a few things that I wanted to to go through uh, today just kind of an update as to some events like you said you know first of all I have to say it's incredibly sad that this is Autumn Fest weekend I'm looking out there's not a cloud in the sky tonight would be the uh, Autumn Fest fundraiser at the rotary beer uh tent and uh it's it's just so sad to see no activity in the park and it's really um it's really disappointing that 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 autumn fest isn't happening this year so to all those that would take part and be a part of of autumn fest uh i definitely feel the way you feel and it's very sad but having said that we're having a fundraiser on Saturday, We're doing that at American Legion Post 85 on River Street. It'll be outside. It'll be from 1 to 5. And we're calling it the beer tent that wasn't. And what we're, what we're having is we're having uh, chowder and clam cakes. Uh, and if that's not your thing, there, there'll be chicken fingers and, and french fries available. Uh, takeout will be available, Roger. So if you uh, aren't comfortable being a part of a... Uh, uh, of that kind of setting you can uh, come make a donation donations are twenty five dollars um, and you can you can grab and go and that's perfectly acceptable we'll have volunteers ready to help you with that I want to mention that uh, all social distancing guidelines will be observed masks are required we'll be screening uh, contact tracing taking your temperature the whole thing beforehand uh, and assuming you're healthy you can come be a part of this fundraiser. We're going to have uh, a DJ. We're going to have uh, Sound Unlimited by Buddy D, our Rotarian friend. He'll be uh, providing music. We'll have um, 
a giant TV with live NFL football. Um, and that is being provided by Johnny's Rentals and Gem Fencing. We're going to have uh, seasonal beer and um, also uh, other draft beer for people's uh, enjoyment. So it's really going to be, we're trying to just create some semblance of something to do on a Sunday afternoon where people would ordinarily be at Autumn Fest. And, and we just thought it was a good way to kind of just, while certainly not a, uh, a substitute for what would ordinarily be Autumn Fest, it is something to at least be reminiscent of, of Autumn Fest. And I just think it's, it's important to, to just kind of allow people some, some time together outside on a Sunday afternoon. And I think it'll, it'll be uh, a really good event. And I, I want to invite everyone to come down. It's 1 to 5. Post 85 on River Street, uh, donation $25, and takeout will be available. But I do want to uh, talk about something quick, Roger. Um, and, and, and there was something that happened yesterday for me, which was really both upsetting and disturbing. Uh, it, it, the upsetting part was the scramble. You know, you run for mayor and you're in a campaign and, and it just seems like you're constantly chasing the clock. There's never enough time. And when things crop up that you really don't expect, um, it's surprising. And then you have to scramble. And that happened to me yesterday. So uh, we were using, we had intention of using a local vendor uh, who I was assured had all the necessary licensing and permitting and all these things and i found out yesterday from an email sent by the city clerk to the city council to the chief of police to the fire chief to the city solicitor that this particular vendor uh, and the name is not necessary uh, has a cease and desist order uh, in the city so there's no uh, street vendor license there's no uh mobile food establishment license from the state there's a cease and desist as of september 21 from the clerk's office for lack of licensing so because i'm trying to do the right thing um i automatically tried to make alternative arrangements and if you think it's easy to make alternative arrangements in that short amount of time it's it's not however uh, the people at post 85 which are incredible supporters but even more so um they're great people and great friends uh, stepped right up to fill the void and help out and, it's, and, and to make sure that this event really is a, is a true success. And I can't thank the people of Post 85 enough. But the, so that was, that was the, the troubling part that I, that, that I, I had to scramble and, and I want to thank the people on my campaign for helping me do that as well. Uh, the disturbing part was my understanding is uh, that the current mayor's campaign is utilizing this vendor and was us- utilizing this vendor. The same one? The same one yesterday. And, Roger, I, I showed you a copy of that cease and desist order. So certainly you, um, you've seen it, correct? You, mm-hmm. you, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I did that to be factual. So that, That's the same letter that went to the council, right? And to the city solicitor and to the chief and to the the of police and of fire. And so I just, you know, and, and there were events yesterday um, by the current mayor's campaign using this vendor and passing out food at, uh, I know at Honora Lippet, I don't know where else. But the point is, is that while I'm scrambling in my campaign to do the right thing, the person that 
is the current elected mayor is not. And there's a city councilor that is running that campaign uh, as a co-chair who should be aware of these kinds of things because he's a, he's a, he's a, I should say, a former city councilor. He's a former city councilor who, who knows about street vendor licenses and things. And I'm just saying that if the, if the Brian for Mayor campaign had done a similar act, um, the, 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 the wailing and gnashing of teeth that, you know, John Brian doesn't follow the rules would be overwhelming. But because I'm following the rules and they're not, there's silence. And so people often say to me, um, what's the difference between you and, and the current mayor? What would you do differently? I can tell you this. Um, there will not be a, there will not be a um, situation in soccer where the rules are for thee and not for me. You know, this idea of two one sockets for, for those that are in power, your friends and family can do whatever you want uh, without any repercussions, but the rest of us uh, poor slobs out here have to uh, follow the rules or suffer the consequences. And that climate is going to change. You know, one of the, the tent posts of my campaign has been integrity, and that's what it's about. Integrity is about... Um, being honest and being truthful and following the rules and doing things above board and being transparent. Um, and that's what we don't have. You know, when we have to pass resolutions to allow the city council into city hall because it's on lockdown for no good reason, you can do this. City halls are doing this. When we have to pass resolutions to allow the board of canvassers into city hall because they have to do their job, um, when we have to pass a resolution to allow for a debate to happen, you know, people have to question what is going on and why. So um, that is the troubling and disturbing part that I had to go through yesterday. But the good news is we'll see you on Sunday, post 85. And we're going to have a great menu and great drink and great tunes and football and everything that we can do to uh, to kind of make up for the Sunday afternoon. So do I have a, another moment, Roger? Am I? Okay, good. And I do want to say this. Uh, as you know, Raj, I have, and, and people have been telling me lately, uh, unsolicited, by the way, that it looks as though uh, I have lost weight, and they would be correct. I have lost weight because uh, of all the walking that I've been doing throughout uh, the city and the neighborhoods, and uh, people are amazed at the amount of ground that I've been able to cover and, and continue to cover and will continue to cover right up until the day before the election. I mean, I'll be if don't be surprised if I'm knocking on your door on uh, November 2nd because I haven't hit it yet. Um, and I think that's what's important. You know, it is a job interview and you can't have a proper job interview without meeting all of your potential employers. And that's what I'm working on doing every day. So. One of the, the, the things in this campaign has been this fierce campaigning, this fierce door-to-door walking that I've been doing every day since July. You know, I took a week off uh, when my dad passed and we needed to honor him and, 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 and do that. Uh, so I took a full week off and then I got right back on the trail and I'm on it every day. And so we made a video about walking door-to-door and we made a video about what that looks like and and what that means and how important it is as part of this campaign because this is a ground swell this is a a grassroots 
campaign and you can feel it. You can feel the positivity. You can feel the desire for change. You can feel the, 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 the fact that people are rallying around me and they see through uh, the, these notions of these, these last minute, you know, weeks before the campaign events that just so happen to pop up and are in the newspaper and it's just all this notion that you know if i can just trick you just enough to vote for me i can get another two years well that's not what my campaign is about my campaign is about being honest and and understanding people and talking to them and really being amongst the people because you can't you can't lead people unless you are around them and you want to be around them and you serve with them and I think that's what's most important. And that's what my campaign is, is all about. So we're releasing this video uh, at some point today so that over the weekend people can check it out. Uh, it'll be on Facebook. It'll be on my website. And um, I'm really excited about it. It's really an incredible video. We have drone shots. We have, I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites that we've done. And I'm really proud of it. And I'm also proud of the fact that it kind of highlights one of the most important parts of this campaign, Roger, which, as you know, has been the door-to-door aspect. All right, time to hit the road again, huh? Yeah, it's time to hit the road. It's <laughs> it's it's you know it's it's just another day. I feel like if you're if you're familiar with uh, the movie uh, Groundhog Day, uh-huh. it, when when six o'clock in the morning comes and Sonny and Cher comes on the clock radio, that's what my life is like every single day. So uh, it's Groundhog Day. It's time to go back to work, and I'll be out there this afternoon, knocking on doors as always, and. Uh, but the great part is, like a few times a week, and especially on the long days on Saturdays, uh, my wife Nicole will uh, will join me. And um, I wonder sometimes if people like talking to her more than they like talking to me. But, Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it's great to have her along and uh, and and. Maybe I'll be knocking on your door this afternoon. Thanks uh, a lot, Roger. Thank you. Preceding time purchased by the Brian for Mayor Committee, and that was um, candidate for mayor John Brian as he comes in. Each uh, Friday to uh, talk about the nature of the campaign. We've got more coming up on the Upfront program here on WNRI. We're going to talk about the Woonsocket School Department. And uh, we have the uh, superintendent of schools and also the uh, chairman of the school committee. And we're going to chat with these gentlemen about, uh, about Woonsocket Public Schools. That's up next after a few commercial messages, as they say, in the broadcasting business. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light. 30-pack, $25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. 
Champs Liquors now offers in-store shopping. Come on in and browse around. You're welcomed. Social distancing observed at Champs Liquors. And remember, if you have a question, call us at 765-1800 and we'll cheerfully answer any question you have about beer, wine, and liquors. Champs Liquors or Keyway, Woonsocket. Although Autumn Fest 2020 has been canceled, the Brosta House on Pond Street invites you to enjoy their usual Autumn Fest fair served outside their restaurant. Outdoor seating will be available, or why not walk through and enjoy the adjacent World War II parks? All state regulations regarding COVID-19 will be followed. Several of their popular items include Bloomin' Onion, Pierogies, Kielbasa Sandwiches, American Chop Suey, and Doughboys will be available. In addition, their inside bar will be open throughout the weekend. The Broster House, 263 Pond Street. Open Columbus Day weekend, Saturday and Sunday, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. Monday, 12 noon to 6 p.m. All right, that's the Broster House, and uh, again, their little booth will be set up on uh, Pond Street, right next to their property. And uh, Mr. Uh, Brian, uh, before he left the uh, building, asked me to uh, correct something he said. He, he was talking about his fundraiser on Saturday. It's really on Sunday. He had uh, a um, mistake in his uh, wording. It's Sunday, not Saturday. Okay, now let's get back to the Upfront program. <laughs> You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, the panel has uh, switched again. It's musical chairs here at the radio station. Friday, uh, we, we have this uh, offer going out to uh, the superintendent and the chair of the school committee to update uh, people on the status of Woonsocket Public Schools. And um, it is a fluid situation, and so uh, that is why uh, we uh, offer that invitation. So uh, the two people in the studio with us are Dr. Patrick McGee, the superintendent of schools, Woonsocket Public Schools, in-house with us, and also uh, Paul Borget, chairman of the Woonsocket School Committee. So, uh, gentlemen, welcome back. We're going to begin with you, Mr. Borget, this week. And um, pose like our last week. Uh, <laughs> was it last week I began with you? Yes, you did. Well, I'm beginning with I'm that's beginning fine. with you now because that's the way my notes are structured, and you know how structured I am yes, as an are. individual. Anyway, we're going to begin uh, with you because um, um, I uh, noticed I have some notes here on you being on Larry's program, um, and I, I thought my I would uh, last night I thought I would um, begin by saying, can you explain to people? Uh, who are, who do not have children in Woonsocket Public Schools. Now, they're helping to pay the tax bill, so that's why they... Uh, I'm interested. I don't have children in the school system, but I want to know where we are right now. How many children are really attending classes, and how many children are on computer, and how many students are doing both? I was wondering if you could just give us an, an update on on that. Sort of. Well, we we've been talking about. Was this a better question for the superintendent? Might, do you have yeah, the numbers? I, do. I, I have an approximate um, percentage. I, I would say first. Uh, nice to see you, Roger. Nice to see you too. Um, Same here, Roger. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for having us again. <laughs> All right, my pleasure. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, approximately a third of of the students' uh, families have elected to um, to go virtual. So. Um, it's it's been quite a challenge, and and that's we were we're not surprised. Um, we're actually having more um, as as more time goes by. We're having more parents who are reaching out 
to the district to um, to move their their children, their child from the hybrid to the um, to the virtual. So, and, and it, it makes it challenging for us because again, we we have to we have to move students. So we're moving in many instances. We're moving students from a hybrid model um, into a virtual, and it's it's not as easy as it sounds where you know we don't just have a certain we we, we don't have a, a a a group of teachers waiting in the wings to, to take students on completely virtual uh virtually so it's now when it's, we it's use the term virtual we mean internet right so when we when, yes when i say <laughs> okay. virtual so virtual right. and, and, and distance learning yep. are, are mm-hmm. used um synonymously okay mm-hmm. So uh, my calculation, based on what I think the number of kids in school, this could be seventeen, eighteen hundred kids. Um, um, well, like if it's about, we, it's yeah, about we have, yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Any uh, comment to that comment uh, you'd like to add, Mister uh, Mister Chairman? It's uh, you know we get phone calls, emails, texts from parents daily, and that's seven days a week. Um, Parents who need help, parents who are dissatisfied, and usually the comment is, my child is getting nothing on the virtual uh, situation. We don't get, my child doesn't get anything out of distance learning. Um, They're looking for answers. Actually, I think they're looking for an accommodation. We can't do that. Virtual learning is a good program if the parent is involved. And so... We don't want to have a virtual learning situation. We want them all back in school. I can tell you, from the superintendent down to like a, the last custodian on the list wants the kids back. But we can't. It's too dangerous. So we're going to continue to have virtual learning for quite some time until we have a vaccine. And the number of students that's going to be on distance learning is going to depend on the infection rate. As children become infected with the virus in their particular classroom, those classrooms are going to be quarantined. And they could go away, they could go home virtually for two weeks, so they're no longer on the hybrid plan where they no longer are getting in-person learning and in-person teaching. They could come back as a class, as we discussed this morning, and if another student comes down with the virus, that class is going to go back. So it's going to be a constant push-pull to have kids in person and children at home. And there's no getting around it. There's no other way uh, to teach our kids. This all sounds very expensive. Um, And I'm just wondering whether, in fact... um uh, we are able to um, uh, pay our bills. Uh, where do we uh, where do we get the uh, the dough from? Uh, where do we get the the money from? Or uh, are we in pretty good shape? Well, we're waiting for a grant from WNRI actually uh, to help us along here. Mm-hmm. But but yes. I don't think that we're gonna we're gonna get a grant. Yes, I would not count on that. No, <laughs> we have something called the Federal Cares Act. Um, our finance director, Brad Perrier, is accumulating every dollar, every excess dollar, every extra dollar that we're spending because of COVID situation. And we're, we're, we're looking, we've applied, and we're looking to get reimbursed for, for those extra funds. So but, there are funds out there to apply for. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're talking four or five million just for our district. 
uh, and while we're well within uh, that budget, if you would, or that amount uh, where we stand right now. But don't forget, our teachers who are at home, guess what? They'll be teaching. They're teaching virtually. So, or they're teaching in person. So, their salary is being earned. The custodians are still working to make sure the buildings are clean. So, they're earning their pay. Uh, the bus drivers, they're, they're still rolling those buses along. And we're hoping to open up uh, the career center uh, to such an extent so that we can, we can be bringing in more kids to, to school. So it's not like we've got a lot of extras. We've already spent them. I mean, the Chromebooks, we need them. Uh, the teachers needed better iPads. They got them. Um, there was no question we had to... The, the real big expense has been the, the, the uh, tweaking of the HVAC systems, the cleaning of the ducts, uh, going through the inspections and making sure every classroom has got enough uh, air exchange and the HEPA filters. Those are the big uh, ticket items, but those are all within that three or four million, four to five million that we're expecting a CARES Act to, to reimburse us for. When I look at my notes, uh, last Friday you, you guys were here and, and you made a pitch for substitute teachers and the teacher shortage. And then on Wednesday, uh, the governor, uh, when she had her news briefing, made a pitch for retired teachers and substitute teachers to uh, come forward. And then uh, you were uh, on Larry's program last night and talked about the teacher shortage. And so my uh, question to you, Mr. Superintendent, is has all this talked, whether it's from the governor or from you guys, moved the needle at all in the past seven days? So it's, it's moved the needle very slightly. Um, we have approximately six candidates that our um, high school leadership team is in the process of interviewing and then they'll once once they've um they may have they may well have finished those interviews and then they're going to go to the hr department to um you know sort of put the final finishing touches um to ensure that that those candidates have the necessary paperwork and requirement uh, requirements such as a, a bci check and, and and those other last last um you know details that have to be um, squared away before they they would start. So so it, it hasn't moved the needle dramatically, um, slightly. You know we're, we're again we're we're still we're still looking and uh, you know we're we can't create them out of out of thin air. And you know I, I think I mentioned the last time I was here that we have applied for two grants to um, to procure more substitutes through the the Department of Ed. And that um, on October 5th was the deadline to submit that grant. We submitted our, our application days before that. Um, RIDE um, is going to be reviewing the applications during the middle of the month of October. And then they will be providing, hopefully, some, um, some resources to us. And I, I've, had some, I've had numerous conversations with one of the deputy commissioners at RIDE. And you know they're aware of our situation. They're they're trying to help us to be creative, um, and they know that we've submitted our application, and they know that we're in, in desperate need of substitutes. So I would suspect that um, you know the fact that they they know the the plight that we're we're in, that they'll they'll provide us you know hopefully with you know may, maybe not 38, but they can provide us with you know with with a good number. Even with these financial incentives uh, that are, are being offered, apparently um, uh, people are not coming forward. I think 
if I, if with the three of us were running the school department, I think I'm going to have to assume that maybe a few more may come forward. But I think you're going to have to deal with the situation that you have. The bodies that you have that are in the schools, uh, I think that seems to be no matter how much you want to get the kids back in the classroom, you might have to settle for the rest of the year um, without um, without those substitutes and have to uh, move your plan forward with who you have, we're not if, you, ve- if we're you have that many. We don't, we're not very optimistic. I mean, um, we certainly have the door wide open for folks to apply. But a lot of the people that would apply are folks who are may have pre-existing conditions, are sort of elderly, and they're not going to want to come and come to us to the schools because they see them as potential hotbeds. And so there's still a major fear factor out there. And since every district needs subs, um, we're not going to see too many because let's face it, a lot of teachers have opted out uh, with COVID as as a medical. Uh, reason to stay out. So with the, the large numbers of teachers that are out, we're never going to find, I doubt if we'll ever find the number of substitutes that we need. You know, I know you guys are dealing with the nuts and bolts every day of keeping the schools open as best as you can. But I have a philosophical question for the superintendent that has to do with education. And uh, so we're going to have to, uh, we're going to bring up the, um, the discussion to a loftier level. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about um, I'm thinking about the kids, this generation of kids. Uh, I know there's school out there, and I know that uh, they missed a lot of it. Um, I, I'm I'm concerned about their educational uh, endings, not just one socket kids. I'm talking about the children of the United States as a school uh, administrator um, responsible for curriculums and outcomes and and so forth. Um, it's going to be weighing on the uh, mind of uh, Superintendent Thornton in Warwick and Superintendent McGee in Woonsocket as examples. Absolutely, Roger. This, you know, it's it's a situation where I I, I liken this in on a, on a much smaller scale to each year uh, when when school lets out in June. You know, we have what's called the summer slide, and the summer slide is something that we've had forever um, because of the nature of, of the scheduling of, of a school year. And what that, what that simply means is that students are not, you know, present for instruction during the summer. So for 10 weeks, you know, unless there's, there's you know, family members who read with them or, or they, you know, they, they, they do their summer reading or things like that, you know, they're, they're without um, a formal education for 10 weeks. And what that, what that shows us as we come back to school is that they regress slightly, um, you know, for the most part. What we have now is, you know, many people are, are calling this the COVID slide, um, where we had in the spring, we had, you know, from March uh, 13th or 23rd through the end of the year, um, where we went on, a, you know, on the, uh, on the drop of a dime from in-person instruction to um, distance learning, not the same. Having a, having a teacher in front of a student is vastly, vastly different and, and, and more effective and efficient um, than, than having a student learning through a, a computer, through a teacher. Um, so we, we fast forward to where we are now, and we, we don't know, you know, when, when the end in sight will, will be here. You know, will it, will it be uh, more than likely some, some vaccine or some, some way of, of, of minimizing the number of, of 
of people who come down with with the virus. So this is time that, you know, that we we've lost having that person to person instruction. So we're certainly across the nation um, going to see this this slide, this regression um, in in skills, and it's and it's especially you know, going to impact our, our most, our students who are most at need. Um, and it's, it's going to affect everyone, but it's especially going to affect those students who are reading, you know, two or three uh, grade levels below where they should be. Um, but, but again, as I said, it, it's going to affect everyone. So, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, as, as Chairman Bourget said, we're, we're trying to do our best to bring students back um, you know, even if it's on a, a hybrid schedule, um, but it, but it's very challenging, and, it, and it's and it's not as simple as you know just bringing everyone everyone back. Um, we, we certainly, if, if I could bring everyone back today, I, I would absolutely do it. Yep. But you know, I want to make sure that when we when we get to that point, it's it there we're, we're taking into account the health and safety of all of our students. So also, let's remember we have some students out there who have thrived in distance learning. There are, because when they were in class, they weren't being held back. Mm-hmm. They were well advanced, but they had to wait for the teacher to teach and, and instruct those students who needed extra help. So your more advanced students were held back. They are thriving mm-hmm. in, in, at, at home. And I know a lot of families, quite a few families, where their children... They're excelling uh, in, in work, in, in studying at home. So there's going to be a mixed bag here. It's right? just like uh, in, the, uh, in the retail industry. Uh, there are some businesses yep. uh, that are doing very, very nicely in all this and some that are right. hanging by the wayside. So the purpose of our invitation every week here is to uh, get an update uh, from uh, our school leaders as to uh, what they would like to tell the general public. Paul Bourget, what is this week's message to the the uh, parents who have kids in the school system? I think I want to tell parents to embrace the system that we're in. It's not going to change in the near future. Instead of looking at the glass almost empty, look at it as getting full. You're getting you have programs that your children can work with and they can learn quite a bit but it's a lot of it is attitude help your children and may help your children by maintaining a good attitude because if they see you excited about their education they are going to do a lot better we we don't like the situation nobody likes the situation but there's nothing we can do but to really work harder at distance learning Dr. McGee, you may want to let them know what, what since phase three is beginning, mm-hmm. what's happening this week, um, starting Tuesday. Absolutely, please do. Absolutely. So we're um, this is the last day of phase two. Uh, phase three begins on Tuesday, and what uh, phase three is going to look like is we're going to in a hybrid model, and again, that's um, in both in person and virtually. We're going to bring in. Um, our students who are in grades four and five, seven and eight. So, again, just to just to review uh, for, for our listeners what that looks like. So, if uh, Mondays are virtual days for for the students in those grades, 
Um, Tuesdays and Thursdays, if your last name begins with the letter A through L, you're coming in person. Um, if your last name begins with the letters M through Z on Tuesdays and Thursdays, you're uh, virtual. And then the flip of that, uh, that, the flip side on Wednesday and Friday, A through L um, is virtual and M through Z comes in in person. So and, that, and that's, again, for grades 4, 5, 7, and 8. Um, and that would, that would take us um, to um, having our pre-K and K students, you know, continuing to come back uh, five days a week, full day. Uh, grades one, two, and three, uh, and six, continuing with, um, with their, their hybrid model. And then again, just adding grades four, five, seven, and eight. I've also been meeting with the, um, the high school and the career center and the administration there is they're working on a plan which they're actually going to have uh they're going to be sending out a letter uh this afternoon uh or they may have they may have sent it out yesterday um i know there's they either sent it out yesterday or they're sending it out today to to our high school parents letting them know that on i believe on tuesday there's going to be a google meet with uh parents of uh seniors and, and then the remaining days in the week, they're going to be meeting with, with parents of our underclassmen. But that letter is, is it's either gone out or it's going out. That's only for the uh, uh, career for the, center. For the, for the career center, correct. Right. Um, but uh, so they're, they're putting a plan together to have our career and tech uh, students returning in, in a phased out process, uh, beginning with seniors and then, you know, juniors and then, um, and then sophomores coming back uh, week by week. So, um, it, and that would be just, again, just focusing on the Career Center students because, you know, their programs are, are, are so, um, you know, are, are so specific in terms of their, their hands-on. And you have to be there. You really do. Phase 3, Tuesday, grades 4 and 5 and 7 and 8 will be affected, right? So, basically, yeah, you'll added. have from pre-K through 8 mm-hmm. are going to be in school. 9, yep. 10, 11, 12 are not, except yep. for those... Uh, career student, career center correct. students will make will be coming back at some That's point. Correct. And we have had some positive cases uh, over the last uh, week. We, we've had to close some classrooms for either a week or two weeks. So um, you know, and and we we planned that this was going to mm-hmm. happen. Yep. You know, and 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 more will will hap- will, will continue. Um, you know, we're not going to avoid this. Uh, we're hoping to, to mitigate it as, as much right. as we can. But, you know, when it, when it happens, we're notifying families and parents, and we're quarantining classrooms when we need to. Thank you for being here. The message from Paul uh, Boiget, embrace the situation. I think that was uh, yes. probably something I can uh, grab from that. Thank you. We'll uh, see you next week if you see care you to come Friday. Thank, okay. you, Roger. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Roger. Our report from the school department, um, some of it uh, very specific and uh, very um, philosophical, on the other hand. Thank you for joining us, Paul Boche, Chairman, and uh, Patrick McGee, Superintendent. They'll be back next week. We'll be back um, next week, too. <laughs> this is the end of the Upfront program. Our focus on Laura is coming up with uh, Lynn Bouvier Kapiskus. And uh, then on Monday, we'll be here. Dick Bouchard will not be here. He's on vacation. He'll be here uh, on, I'll be here on Monday. And um, we'll be doing, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Autumn Fest programming that we have on the radio station. There's no Autumn Fest, but uh, you'll never know it if you listen to WNRI over the weekend. And uh, we'll also have a special guest. Bye-bye, everybody. This has been WNRI's Upfront. 
presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Up front is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380, WNRI Woonsocket.